This is the Pink Floyd Fellas, featuring your fellas, Pete and PJ, leading you through the journey of the world's most popular progenitors of progressive psychedelic rock, the Pink Floyd. Welcome to the show, PJ. Welcome to the show, Pete. Is Thank it you. the Pink Floyd? Well, it was initially, my dear boy, and then they dropped the this is the true. when Justin Timberlake oh, walked in and told them that's to, right. if you remember. Yes, because a billion is cooler than a million. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so they dropped the the, but then some people still like to call them the Floyd, uh, including me, like yeah. true fans. You can tell if you're on like a Reddit thread that you're like a real fan if you're calling them the Floyd. Um, and so I sometimes, though, so I've kind of taken the next natural step and started calling them the Pink Floyd again, and I'm like, I'm a true, true fan because I know that they were originally called that. Next, it's probably bringing back up the T-set or whatever their original name was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I still call the Beatles the uh, the Quarrymen. Mm-hmm. That's right. You're like, it's it's all really just based off Skiffle. Hey, Jude, Skiffle song. It's a Skiffle song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Skiffle all And it would have sounded better with Pete Best on the drums. Exactly. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, Do you think there are any real Pete Best stands out there? He was never on any recording, right? No, but no. there are probably a bunch of people. He wasn't even there in the Cavern Club days, I don't think. No. So I don't think I, I don't think you could have been. Like, I mean, you might have been if you were yeah. in Germany and you're like the best bar band ever. But then by that time they left Germany, he was. I mean, he was still with it. Like, you wouldn't really know that he was gone. I don't know. Also, Skiffle All point. the Way is my favorite Beach Boys uh, Christmas song. <laughs> or oh, Beach Boys Beatles. This is the best one. Goddamn, yeah. Song. <laughs> uh, it took me that whole time to remember jingle all the way and then also i fucked it up so <laughs> don't worry oh, well. believe it do you want to get a clean drop of yeah, it sure. or also skiffle all the way is my favorite beatles christmas song yeah it's a good one yeah that was better uh but you still got to drop it in with your laughter because otherwise it's not gonna be fun oh i know i'm just gonna put it in where i had did it, done it before oh okay yeah nice well pj i'm a oh. goddamn audio genius peter that's true you're kind of like the well not quite yet but eventually pink floyd <laughs> a production <laughs> genius although i mean i think they'll have some help but uh you know pr- producer wise but now we have to leave all of that in pete yeah that's okay that's all right okay fine look if it's so funny the callback that's fine uh well so pj we're pink floyd and i don't really know what are we supposed to talk about on the show man <laughs> um I guess Pink Floyd. Um, it seems as though now they're just kind of a bunch of boring British guys, which uh, was the case for not quite the case for the Beach Boys because they were just a bunch of boring American teens. Right. But but they had an interesting dad who was awful. Um, and then yeah. the Rolling Stones were less boring British guys, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's. I mean, I don't know. I think it's probably pretty close between the Rolling Stones and the and the Pink Floyd just because they actually came from pretty similar backgrounds. Like, they were both students who came from money. They both had pretty fine – or they all had fine childhoods growing up. Like, there really yes, wasn't a lot of – But Pink Floyd at this point does not have just a terrible, terrible member. Like, just a bad guy. They don't have that yet. No, but they did already lose one, so they're they're at least As, ahead of the stones there. 
Yeah. They also seem to be potentially at this point uh, better people. But here's what I was actually thinking you were going to say, and I was going to agree with is at this point, they don't have a truly great song. <laughs> I was going to be like, yeah, you're right. The Stones had some also, great songs. Also, that is very true. Earlier yeah. on, where the Pink Floyd. Uh, I mean, while I mean, parts of Piper are awesome, we've talked about their first few hmm. singles in Saucerful, and it's like they don't they don't have a single song that just kicks ass in the way that some early Stone stuff did. Under the Boardwalk yeah. is what I'm talking about, of course. Go back and listen to oh. the Rolling Stone studs. Obviously, Under the Boardwalk. Um, Get Off My Cloud was also way earlier than I thought, and I'm like, Yeah, that's a 65, man, ain't it? They fucking killed it in, yeah. like, what is that, their third album? Yeah. Good job, boys pretty amazing no i think that was like their sixth but it was in their second <laughs> yeah, year yeah yeah of being a band yeah because that's on my list of like the one album from 64 and the one album from 65 when we put that together yeah it is that's also on my one album from 65 is hey you get off my cloud i like going back and listening to those playlists we made for like me too. Like the perfect Beach Boys one at the time. And you guys should too. Yeah. We'll make them public. Yeah, sure. I'm not Why not? Just go back. Just go listen, back and listen. listen to what we were talking about and create your own Spotify playlist, you lazy fucks. Yeah, come on. You guys <laughs> think you guys are real Beach Boys Boys fans? Yeah. I don't think so. Clearly not. I, I will say I have also gone back recently and listened to the perfect version of Aftermath that I put together. And yeah, it's pretty fucking perfect. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if we start doing that with Pink Floyd at all. They I, they don't put out too much music, though, like the other bands we've talked about. So, so yeah. far, it hasn't really been an issue. I don't think – I think this is the one year, 1969, where they will release two albums. So And, and also, so far, Pete, I, I don't mean to be negative, but I would not – I'd have two songs that would yeah. be like, these ones were fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, well, PJ and – Everyone who's listening, welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't know why I said your name to kind of transition into the show proper. But let's uh, go ahead and get down to our first piece of business. Uh, we have a little uh, podcast review that we're going to read. It's awfully considerate of you to think of me here. And I'm most it is good that we're going to have at least one Sid Barrett song in our like regular rotation of drops on this show just that we never forget about that poor guy yeah uh, i mean yeah. With, with the 27 club we only had doors or one Jimi hendrix drop so yeah um that's right so okay so we have i i checked our reviews recently uh because we tried to make a big push on our last run on the 27 club to get people to rate and review us on itunes it didn't really work um and so i guess we'll just say whenever we bring it up rate and review us on itunes usually we say even if it's bad but as we're about to find out i'm gonna go ahead and rescind that and say please just please only do it if it's nice yeah if if you have good things to say yeah let's say say four stars or higher it's okay if it's four but like let's just at least make it mostly positive um, if, if it's a negative review, our remember our podcast name is the Joe Rogan Experience. Mm-hmm. Also, it's really funny that when you search in iTunes, the Beach Boys Boys say is still the first show that comes up. Yeah, dude. It's so yeah, fucking. It's annoying. a real like, bummer. It's, it's, it is our <laughs> actual name. Anyway, so this review it's a little bit older. Let me find it here. 
Or no, it's not. It's actually brand new. It's from January of 2023. So Ooh. I was going to say I skipped it or I missed it when we last did this, but I didn't. All the other ones are from, I think, our push last last fall or mm-hmm. summer, whenever we did that. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And then there's also one from October. So I'll read that one, too. They're both one stars, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. So the first one from October 16th, 2022, from user AMPR2510 says spare yourself one of the worst podcasts i've ever listened to they rebel i assume that's autocorrect from rely on being as ignorant as possible i also rebel by being as ignorant as possible nope that's joe rogan my bad badly reading and misinterpreting a wikipedia article is not research guys to make things worst they aren't funny no saving grace here sadly (laughs) okay that one's, wow, that's mean. It's pretty rough, but it gets worse. <laughs> oh, no. So this, the second one is by John 11111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111
Well, yeah, I, that first one I thought was mean. Um, <laughs> no saving grace here, sadly. <laughs> um, one of the worst podcasts they've ever listened to. I know, man. I don't know about that, man. Look, if all they've heard is Elon and then us, all right, fine. But yeah, Elon's like rel- not a typical podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I take that one. They I take rely that one on being as ignorant as possible. We don't rely on that. We no. just happen to be very ignorant. Yeah, yeah. Also, Wikipedia is not research. Yeah, fucking right. Go write a fucking paper <laughs> with that Wikipedia, you little bitch. Also, I bought yeah. this is I'm on my second book for this show. God That's damn true. It. So go rate and review us on iTunes and we'll roast you on air no matter what you write. So Yeah. John with a bunch of ones can go fuck themselves. Yeah. And AMPR two five ten. You know, can also go fuck themselves. You know what? Also, get better names. Yeah, and you know what? You're making me realize. I'm like the John one 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 thing. I'm pretty sure they've we've read that name before on the iTunes reviews, I but it's not that have. review because that's a new review from January. So like, we haven't yeah. recorded episodes since it came out, basically. See, and the on past this that sounded that, familiar. Maybe they update. Yeah. Can you like update a review? Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe the maybe they tried no matter give, how many times this podcast tries to rebrand. Maybe they maybe they went and gave, you know, a different run a try just to see. Oh god. You know what I hope? I hope that they <laughs> listened to the initial run for the Beach Boys mm-hmm. and then they were like, These guys suck. Yeah. I like on better. And then they typed this review and then years later they were like really like to learn more about the 27 club and they put it on and he was like it's yeah. the same guys yeah <laughs> then got mad yeah. and tried to write a review alternatively <laughs> i love the one. idea of him listening and following along and then being like oh it's a different band it must be different people <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's the like, same thread it but it yeah. has to be different hosts of course yeah yeah <laughs> I also like the person just looking at the reviews right now yeah. who gave us five Rolos out of five. Hell yeah. Yeah, we've yeah, all the five stars are great, but our our small but mighty uh fan base. <laughs> yeah. It's there. It's there. The the six other white guys who are into classic rock and our sense of humor in the world love it. Well, you appreciate it. All right. Well, uh so yeah, re rate and review us on itunes and then you can also email us no emails this week but you can also email us anytime at beachboysboys at gmail.com and we will read it on air and respond to you personally uh yeah we'll get to it eventually we just are inundated with so much fan mail that sometimes it's hard to get to all right all right uh, well, PJ, do you want to go ahead and get into our next segment, uh, oh, the triumphant, the triumphant return of one of our, f- our classic segments all the way back from the Beach Boys boys? And yes, this is something we do do better than on if we do nothing else better than them. It's not quite Beach Boys, who's your toy, but Pink Floyd, who's your toy? Duh. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good shit, man. All right, I'm dropping a couple of pictures into the chat for PJ to look at. And we're going to go ahead and see what we think of Pink Floyd. So let's start with the non-studio pick. 
because it's going to give us some okay. nice outfits to talk about. We'll have some positives All right, in there. So, Let me pull it up on my big screen yeah. here. So, and I believe in order, the one on the street is earlier because Rick Wright does not have his mustache yet. So. Yeah. Okay. So. All right, so it's the four the four lads from Liverpool on the street corner or on a street corner. One, I assume in one London. of them barefoot as always. Yeah, yeah. Or are those boots that are just kind of skin colored? They're boots that are skin colored. Oh, disgusting. Yes. Okay. Um, they're probably made from human feet. Um, oh, not a. And so I know they were real freaks. So I'm assuming in foggy old London town, but literally, who the fuck knows or cares? Yeah. So it's the four lads standing on a street corner. They're all looking uh, either confused or mad. Kind of the Rolling Stones style thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely no one's smiling. So on the far left, we have little Davy Gilmore, uh, who's slouched over. He's got his kind of weird, like, 60s feathery hair that's growing out. It's got, like, a weird amount of volume happening. Certainly kind of more mid-70s-y than late-60s-y, I feel. That's kind of true, actually. Yeah, he does look like a member of Wings. Like Mick Jagger or Wings, <laughs> yeah. like circa the He looks like one of the 19 yeah. guitarists from Wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take your pick. They all have the same haircut. Um, Denny Lane, Jimmy McCullough, the rest. Uh, Denny Lane's the bassist. Anyway, so... Um, Paul McCartney. Yeah. He was in that band. Yes. So, and he's kind of, he's leaning against the lamppost like a Herman's Hermit uh, and slouching over in his leather jacket. He's got a burnt orange t-shirt on, some black bell-bottom jeans, flare jeans, they call them, and some you know, kind of, oh, some reddish-orange leather boots, it looks like. Peter, I want to apologize for saying he was barefoot. Uh, I, I needed to scroll down. Yeah. You do see his full boot. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and say... I don't think super attractive. Davy Gilmore at this point, even though he's like 26 or something. Oh, yeah, we forgot. He's a little young looking. We forgot to go over their ages ever. Oh, fuck, Stop, Pete. stop the podcast. We're going over their ages. <laughs> stop the fucking show. Everyone stop listening and then press play again when I tell you. <clears throat> okay, you can press play again, everybody. Okay, so now that everyone's back and they've pressed play again, uh, let's see. So. <clears throat> uh, okay, so Davy, little Davy Gilmore in 1968 was 22 years old. Remarkably young, I would say. Uh, just yeah. both for being in like a really famous band. And then also that explains why he looks kind of like a teenager still. In he looks photos. very young. Yeah. 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 He was born in 1946. Uh, so wow. Roger Waters, the Raj man, uh, is three years older. He's 25 at the time, born in 1943. Wait, he's not a 75-year-old woman like I always thought? <laughs> we'll, okay. we'll get to why wow. that's a confusing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Wright, same age as Roger Waters, uh, 25. What did I say? 25. Wow. And then Nick Mason comes in in the middle, 24 years old. Born in 19. He is the only one who looks his age. Yep. So, anyway, so that's how old they all are. So, yeah, so Ro or Davey Gilmore, I think he 
he is a much more attractive to man, man to me later when he actually is a grown-up human being. But right now, he mm-hmm. does look like a college kid who is like waiting on the corner for someone to walk by and ask if, or so he can ask them if they'll buy him beer without an ID or whatever. Like, yeah, he looks like one of the kids from that '70s show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although sick leather jacket. Oh, the leather jacket. The 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 fit yeah. is killer. Yeah. It's a good outfit, man. Yeah. And then his T-shirt is like silken or something. Yeah. Like it's yeah, it looks it's good. a nice material. He's a yeah. So let's move over to the right to Roger Waters. Um, he, I would say he looks 25. Um, he I, looks I th- just confused okay. more than any of the rest of them to me. <laughs> his face is one For of sure. utter confusion. Um, he has his signature hair. It basically won't change. It'll kind of get longer and shorter, but it really won't change uh, their whole career, I guess, at least through the 70s. But He's kind of his signature hair, aka bangs. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's got bangs. I think he looks fifty. Oh yeah, I mean he has a huge nose, but I think Roger Waters is one of those people though. Even though we'll and we'll get to this in like ten episodes, he's a really bad person. I I think yeah. he looks. I really like his face. Like I like his nose. I like his face. I think he's a really handsome guy. And even especially almost oh, especially wow. when he's young, I think he's a handsome guy. I think the nose is. I think a distinctive feature. Okay, we'll get to this in the next picture okay. about what I think of his face. But. Sure. So, and then he's wearing, as PJ referenced, some interesting clothes. He has a white fur coat on and a purple, like, silk scarf <laughs> wrapped around his neck. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not really kidding about someone's 80-year-old aunt being out out for a walk. Yeah. And then also black flare jeans and then some black boots. Black boots, yeah. He's the only one wearing black boots that like matches pants they're all wearing the same pants they like, all they do a, have the exact same like, black flare jeans on yeah. yeah yeah it's really funny uh so then nick mason is wearing an outfit that i have seen him wear in like 50 things so far like even back to like before piper at the gates of dawn i like watched some early p- music video for one of their first singles and he's wearing this exact same hat at least so he's wearing a flat brimmed not really a, a cowboy hat but kind of a cowboy hat but it's got a big circular flat brim that's like fully a bob black. dylan hat yeah 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 and then he's got super curly hair that's shorter still around his neck but shorter and then a nice handlebar mustache goes all the way down very nice handlebar yeah. mustache yeah so and then he's rocking a double-breasted coat that's like buttoned all the way up it's very kind of like london victoria like Victorian yeah. 60s kind of look to me. Um, and then also black jeans and some nice like royal blue boots that actually look pretty bomb. Yeah, they're all wearing different color boots and I like and they're that. All, but they're all, they all look like the exact same pair of boots. Like they just walked into a oh. store and they're like, we have them in 15 colors. And they well, all here's what colors. They, they all walked in the same store that sold pants and boots and they all got yes. the same pants and they said, well, we have to get different boots yeah, now. Yeah, this is too awkward, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then we move over to uh, Rick Wright who is probably the most classically like late sixties looking of them actually. Oh yeah. Group. He's got the bangs like Roger, but he's got longer hair. Um, and it's a little more disheveled, pretty mullety kind of early sick. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's got a big like wide collar Paisley shirt with a scarf tied around his neck, hanging out of it. Ascot, if you will. Exactly. And then not even through his collar around his neck. Mm -hmm. Like, and then yeah, a blazer, cool. those same black jeans, and some bright pink boots, which are yeah. really bomb. 
and a belt where the belt buckle is just a perfect circle. Yeah. yeah. So I think everyone's outfits incredible. I would say well, out of this picture, I think even Roger Waters. I mean, look, he's it's definitely ironic, which I can at least I can kind of kind of dig it. Or time. he's cold. Yeah. It's also look like I don't think we can be that mean to him when George Harrison was also known in the late 60s for wearing like basically an old lady fur coat. And I don't think either but of George us would make Harrison's fun of George Harrison cooler. Maybe, yeah. I don't know what it, I don't know. So, um, but I, I, I think all of the other outfits are phenomenal. Yeah, like really, like a very well dressed band, especially. Um, um, why can't I not think of his name? Rick, Nick, David, Nick, Nick Mason, Nick Mason. Um, particularly Nick Mason. Yeah. I like. He's kind of got like a a sheriff like old west sheriff yeah looking he's got a cowboy vibe going yeah. on and i don't know like if he didn't have the mustache if i would think the same thing but it fucking rules it's yeah. awesome uh, in this picture who would who would be your toy pj which pink floyd would be your toy let's see roger waters no absolutely yeah. not um um hmm it's between nick and rick yeah I gotta go, uh, Rick, because I think he'd be gentle, and I think yeah. Rick likes it rough. Sorry, Nick likes it rough. Rick yeah, likes yeah. it not rough. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Rick too, because yeah, Davy is just a, it's a little too Robin the Cradle. Roger, although yeah. I do think he's a handsome man, and I do think we're being a little harsh on the coat. I also agree that if like that guy walked up to me in a bar in that outfit, it'd be a little bit of a yeah. rough hang. Nick yeah, is sure. yeah a little too intense and scary looking. And Rick, you know, his his facial expression, we didn't quite talk about it, but he's got kind of a twinkle in his eye. He looks like he's yeah. looking kind of a sideways at you. Yeah, a little yeah. aloof, but also a little mysterious and, like, mischievous. And then the scarf is cool and the pink boots. You yeah. know, I'd, I'd definitely strike up a conversation with that guy. And so, yeah, I, th- I think Rick, for me as well in this photo. I don't even think we said he was wearing a blazer. Um, He is. So let's yeah. get to the other photo. This is a weird okay. studio photo. I don't know what it's for, honestly, but it's the four of them uh, in classic band photo pose in front of a pink background with a pink like sheet wrapped around all four of them. So it's just all pink with their heads. But it's the highest quality photo I could find of Rick Wright with this stash, which he had in 1968 yeah. only, I believe, because by 69 he has a full beard. So. Well, he was trying to do a ZZ Top thing with uh, Nick. Yeah, exactly. He was like, why don't we do the stashes? Yeah. And they thought and it would then... be funny because David, his real name is Mustache Gilmore. So they're like, it'll yeah. be really funny because he's the only one without the mustache. But then Roger wouldn't grow one, so then they gave up on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Roger couldn't. <laughs> his face is made of stone, his, you know. His nose was too big. It just blocks the hair <laughs> follicles. They don't get enough sun. Uh, <laughs> till that's my pubes. Okay. So, um... So we have Nick on the far left. Uh, once again, no one's smiling. Everyone looks kind of forlorn and or mad. Um, Nick on the far left. His hair is weirdly far less curly. It's just a, it's just kind of wavy. Like did he like just he get a perm it. Yeah. or did he straighten it for this? Yeah, either way. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I actually kind of like it. it in the middle. Yeah, I actually kind of like strange. it better. Like I think it looks good. It looks like his mom right before this picture was like, "No, your hair's all sticking yeah, out," yeah, yeah. and then like we licked his licked her like, hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, it's like almost nice, but then also way too messy. And then yeah, yeah. he still got his signature handlebar mustache, which I think he'll pretty much have through their the main part of their career. Um, 
And then moving over to the top, we we have little Davy, uh, who's still got his. Um, moving over to the right on the top row. No, I get you. Oh, sorry. I thought you. No, were... I was about to say something and oh, then I stopped because you sorry. were talking. Little Davy, who's yeah. still got his wings, kind of frizzy mullet bangs look going on, and still looks far too young. <laughs> but much older in the not much older. He looks older in this picture, though. I kind of agree. He's still though. Like, here's the deal. Like, he doesn't even have a hint of stubble anywhere on that face. Like, he's still at the age where when he shaves in the morning, it is 100% smooth. Whereas the yeah. other guys, you can, like, see some some shadow where they where their facial hair would be. So it just makes him look a little bit a little bit young still to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then below that, uh, the, the most interesting man in the world, we have Rick Wright. Exact same hair, just slightly longer. The bangs are fully in front of his eyes. And he has Mm -hmm. what I can only describe as an actually glorious handlebar mustache happening. I think it's it's, nice. It's the only handlebar mustache I've ever seen that where he really grew out the normal mustache part. Like the normal mustache part is really long and it looks like he used some product to kind of part it in the middle and like sweep it to the sides. It's got some really nice thick growth. And then the handlebar part going down is also really thick. It, you you know like um like Nick's does like it tapers usually mm-hmm. his doesn't yes. it's thick he's he's got the full Hulk Hogan here man yeah pretty much yeah <clears throat> it's really it I don't like handlebar mustaches but I just really this like is good. if he just had the regular mustache I'd be really obsessed with it because it looks fantastic he'd look exactly like George Harrison yeah circa 1967, you're actually totally right but... you're totally right. So, yeah, the handlebar is a very interesting experiment for him. And as I said, I don't think it'll last long, so I really wanted to talk about it. <laughs> he grew up for this one picture, yeah, and yeah. that was it. And then on the far right, we have old Roger himself uh, looking Hey, that's kind of annoyed to be there. Um, yeah. And you know what, man? I'm going to say, close up, I still I like that gigantic nose. I like he's got like a weird face where it's very smooth, but then also kind of looks like it's got some I, weird, like, kind of divots in it and stuff. I and then cannot he's got a really this huge mouth. I, don't, I like it. I don't know. I like it. He looks like an Easter Island head. Yeah. Like, for some reason, it works for me, though. That His face freaks me out. Yeah. Like, there's too much of it. <laughs> his face is so big. Yeah. And then I think the only reason you can't tell that his face is that big is because his nose is also very big and his lips are very big. Yeah. He just has gigantic features. Yeah. Like, if you told me this was, like, if you put his head on Andre the Giant's body, it would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I get that. I mean, I'll say I'll ruin in advance uh, Pink Floyd, Who's Your Toy, d- uh, from when we get to, like, the 90s. But Roger Waters, as, like, an older guy, when he has his gray hair, I think is legitimately one of the more handsome he... old older men. Like, he's up there with, like, a George Clooney yeah. as, like, a 50-year-old oh, gray well, guy. He grows into his face yeah. really well, I think, which is crazy because David Gilmore, who is, you know, an attractive man at this age, just very young, yeah. um, becomes a little goblin man. <laughs> yeah, David Gilmore does get kind of weird. Weird looking. It's because maybe it's the loss of hair because David Gilmore's hair is, like, still immaculate it's very nice looking yeah to this day um so did we describe the picture yet uh yeah oh 
Who would you your toy be here? So I really I really want to say Rick Wright because that mustache is so glorious. And weirdly, I'm also just getting like another kind of nice, interesting, intriguing vibe from him because his bangs are in front of his face. But he doesn't seem like a guy whose bangs would usually be in front of his face. So you're kind of like, yeah. who's this guy pretending to be emo over here? But yeah, I will say, this, bangs. I'm locking in on Roger Waters, man. I love that. Ooh. I love that face. I really do. Peter, I gotta say, bad choice because Rick is the right answer. <laughs> yeah. I'm picking Rick for both yeah. pictures. That man's go. he's a good looking man. He is good looking. He is good looking. And looks like a completely different human being with the mustache, by the way. Yeah. If you showed me these two pictures, wouldn't be able to tell it was the same guy. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that has been Pink Floyd. Who's your toy? All right. Okay. Well, well, are we ready to keep talking about the band Pink Floyd and their journey as the progenitors of progressive psychedelic rock? Whoa, that's a lot of peas. Let's do it, Pete. All right. So right after Saucer Full of Secrets came out, uh, Pink Floyd returned to the U.S. for their first like official U.S. tour. As I remember last time they came, they tried to tour, tried to go on some TV shows, and it all... A little guy named Sid Barrett happened. Um, R.I.P. So this tour, by the way, was them, The Who, and Soft Machine, which, again, we mm. haven't heard of Soft Machine a lot, but they came up in that first episode when we went through that like newspaper article about Pink Floyd and all their yeah. likes. They all said Soft Machine, so I guess good for them that they got a tour with them. But yeah. 1968, Who and Pink Floyd would be a pretty fun, fun show. Yeah. You'd be hard to be able to tell them apart, except for one of their lead singers is super hot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so they also work on more singles. We are in the era of singles, and especially in Britain, as we know from our previous podcast, and also way too much talking about the Beatles, that British, uh, well, I mean, all, uh, what's the fucking record company? All record companies were pushing singles still in the late 60s, but especially in Britain, it was a big deal because you didn't put those singles on the album, so it was a big thing to have a hit single in between albums to you know keep you on the charts. So they right. get into the studio to work on some more singles for EMI, and this is their first serious attempt at writing a single without Sid Barrett, who had written their previous quote-unquote hits. They, they never really charted that high, but were at least moderate. They were enough hits hmm. for EMI to be I wonder happy. why. Yeah. So, well, they won't fare much better without him. So he apparently yeah. had something going on. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So both Roger Waters and Rick Wright, who were the two main songwriters from Saucerful of Secrets, uh, take on this challenge. So the first one comes from Rick Wright. Uh, this technically came out before Saucerful of Secrets, but this is their first attempt at recording one without Sid. So that's kind of why we're talking about it now, I guess. Uh, so it would be... So nice. Let's listen to a little bit of it. It's extremely poppy and kind of Beach Boysy, actually. I was gonna say the name sounds like a Beach Boys song. This is. Yeah, fairly Beach Boysy. 
It's also just like, what the fuck is this band anymore? Like, yeah. It's that kind of song. What's too. going like, on? If you're a Pink Floyd fan in the 60s, you stop by your record store every month to like check out what's new. And this single comes out, and you're like into the first couple of albums. Even you're just gonna be like, "What the? What are they doing? What is happening here?" <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I actually think this is—I kind of like this song because I like sugary '60s pop, and I think it's like interesting and not bad. It's just obviously not what anyone wanted to hear from Pink Floyd. No, and it—you know—it sounds like. Um... I mean, once again, like, fucking Hermits Hermits or some shit. Yeah. Like, not precise like Hermits yeah. Hermits, but it is so sugary and, like... Yeah. But I also get... Who wrote this one? Uh, Rick Wright. I also get okay. kind of where they're coming from, though, because, like, this isn't wildly different to me than Apples and Oranges, which was also kind of a, like, little bit of a monkeysy, like, kind of poppy hit. It was a little more psychedelic and weird than this, but, like, it's not totally off base, I don't think. But... I don't... I don't dislike this either. Yeah. Uh, the band hated it. Roger Waters called it lousy and apparently hated the vocals. Uh, and then Nick Mason called it fucking awful. <laughs> that yeah. rules. Yeah. So then Roger and Davey took on the task and came up with Point Me at the Sky, uh, which was a song about like an old-timey uh, inventor trying to build a flying machine. <laughs> For some reason, they thought that would be a hit single. <laughs> See, now it's getting into Doors territory as far as the subject matter. I hate that guitar noise. And it's something they do later in their career, that guitar noise, but... Mm-hmm. The tone is different when they do it later. Right here, they've not perfected it. Sharp. It sounds like trash. Yeah. <laughs> this is, by the way, one of the very first times we're hearing Roger Waters' voice on record. This is him. And then this is back to Davey, but that was Roger. Yeah. And the chorus I don't hate. The rest of this song's not that great, but the chorus is pretty decent. Chorus rules. Um, Do you think they, at this point, realized they could just write a song and not be like, well, we could do two minutes of bullshit and then, like, have, like, I don't know, 30 seconds to something good and then have it change again to something like, it's neither of the other things and then just have it be bad again. Yes and That's their whole thing. Yes and no. I mean, on the album we're talking about today, they definitely write their the most quote-unquote normal songs I think they will ever write in their career, potentially. So they definitely are aware of that concept, but they just don't lean into it. Um, so this also failed to chart, by the way, the first single and this oh, one failed to wow. chart. Oh, yeah. wow. Um, kind of the one interesting thing, actually, about this single is that the B-side, a song called Careful With That Axe, Eugene... Um, which was a whole band credit, uh, became pretty popular because they kept it in their live rotation. And so for, like, you know, true fans who are listening to live bootlegs and stuff, it became a really big Pink Floyd song later on. Mm-hmm. Um, it also was released on Relics, which was also a pretty decent, like, compilation album, or decently popular compilation album from the early 70s. So, hmm. 
Yeah. So, Pink Floyd started working on their follow-up to Saucer Full of Secrets in fall 1968, but were interrupted on their work for their next studio album by the the arrival of a French filmmaker uh, who burst into the studio one day and said, I have a job for you. Are you Pink Floyd? Are you the Pink Floyd? Which one's pink? I have a job for you. <laughs> um, and also, I should look up. Which one pink is? No, this, Me too. I've been yeah. wondering the whole time. This wasn't a Wikipedia thing. This is just literally that I kept forgetting to double check that this guy was French. I know he lived in France. But uh. no, he's, well, no, he was born in Iran. What the fuck is his, like, nationality? They love, Wikipedia, well, Wikipedia loves page doesn't have the nationality? Iranian Crazy. born and Swiss. Okay, because the last name, his last name is Schroeder, which I'm like, that's not very French. Okay, so Barbet Schroeder, apparently he's Swiss. But born in Iran and lives in France. Yes, and was a filmmaker as part of the, who worked in the French New Wave genre, um, was working on his first full-length movie and had already finished it, had already edited it, cut it together. The only thing that was missing was a soundtrack, and he was a fan of these guys, the Pink Uh. Floyd. He'd heard their Mm -hmm. first couple albums, thought they were really great, and he thought, you know what? I think this is the kind of music my characters would listen to. And not only that, I want to take this brand new approach in filmmaking to the soundtrack where the soundtrack is going to be part of the movie. So it literally will be what my characters are listening to. The beginning of having music in a scene Hmm. where it's like playing off the radio that the characters are sitting by, you know, that kind of thing. And so he went to London and offered he went to france yeah. he saw your underpants and offered pink floyd this job uh so the movie by the way is called more which is also the name of the album uh and it's about this german kid who goes to paris after he graduates college kind of on a you know hitchhiking journey around europe to like find himself or whatever uh so mm-hmm. he gets invited to this party meets some people who are really into drugs and he likes drugs so sounds like we're all friends now um and then meets this woman who invites him to her estate on Ibiza, where they hang out for the rest of the movie, fall deeper and deeper into heroin and acid use, and then both get, like, into trouble. And I don't actually know if one of them dies or not, but it's kind of, it's supposed to be, like, a tragic ending, so. This movie sounds boring as shit. I'm assuming someone dies, yeah. It doesn't sound that great. It apparently wasn't very well reviewed by critics, and it wasn't reviewed at all by me, because I didn't watch it. So. We did talk about watching it, and then, uh... I didn't want to. If it had decent reviews at all, I probably would have. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's the other podcast. So, yeah. So Pink Floyd accepted the job, even though it was a pretty weird one. But, hey, who better for a weird soundtrack than one of the weirdest bands working? Uh, so, and they also only had about two weeks to get it in to uh, to get the, the soundtrack finalized. So this was over uh, the end of the year in 1968, like over the holidays. And they mm-hmm. wrote in about a week and then recorded in six sessions over one week and finished the soundtrack that quickly. And apparently Barbet Schroeder hung out the whole time with them just sitting there watching. That would suck. I know, right? I think he was kind of, you know, the idea was probably that he was going to, excuse me, help him and stuff. But anyway, they apparently watched the movie. He brought a print for them to watch and they timed all the scenes with a stopwatch to get an idea of like how long to make the songs and stuff. And anyway, just kind of interesting. So although the album was expressly made for this movie, it kind of stands alone to some degree. Like there are 
which we'll get to in the track by track. There's like three or four instrumentals that are like written for specific scenes just as a background instrumental. But all of the songs with lyrics are really not connected to the movie at all. Like, especially this is Mm -hmm. mostly coming from analysis from my book, Pink Floyd, all the songs, the story behind every track by Jean-Michel Goudon and Philippe Magotin. And, uh, so many Frenchmen. Thank you. And, uh, Croissant with, uh, doing ballet in Paris. So, um, you're getting me hard. I know. That's right. It's, I know it's right after Valentine's day or should I say Valentine's day? Um, so, uh, fuck. I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Way too long of a we uninterrupted fucked around train of too thought. Much. Yeah. Uh, so like none of the lyrics are really about the movie at all. And so it like the songs that aren't just like background instrumentals really don't have anything to do with it. So it, it, it works decently as a standalone album, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. they order the songs on the actual album differently than they're ordered in the movie. So I assume mm-hmm. they did that so that it's ordered a little bit more like an album you'd want to sit and listen to. And then also, yeah. I mean, I think a testament to how it works great as a standalone you know, album is uh, the song main theme. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? Just re- just rename it, and then in parentheses after, be like main theme from movie more, right? Name it whatever you want. Anyway, it is. We'll get to that. It's pretty funny how lazy some of the titles are. Oh yeah. Um, and then there's also a couple instances apparently where the movie version of a song, like the song in the movie, is slightly different with a little bit different backing track or like someone different is singing, but the album cuts yeah. are considered to be like the real versions basically and so in that way it sort of separates itself a little bit from the movie itself uh okay after saucer full of secrets by the way a quick update we talked a lot on that album or a little bit when we talked about that album how davy only had the one guitar and they were all kind of short on on uh equipment yeah Uh, so he apparently he got a new guitar the band pulled in i guess to buy him and roger new a new guitar and a new bass Wow. So Davey supplements his white Telecaster with a white Stratocaster. <laughs> Got to keep it in family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's, I wonder if he plays that for the rest of his fucking life or not. We'll find out, I guess. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And then Roger gets a new bass, a white Fender Precision bass. Oh. So, and a little sneak preview to next week, talking about their gear and everything. We're going to get an intimate look at exactly Pink Floyd's setup uh, when we talk about the next oh. album. Yeah. Woo! I've been dying to get into it. I know. I don't know. Let's, you. Let's call it shop talk. I'm guessing you don't know, but the back cover of Amagama is literally they laid out all of their gear in like a pattern on the road and took oh. like a weird photo of it. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um. So and that's really there's not you know because they recorded it so quickly there's a little bit we'll talk about in the track by track but there's just not a lot about the actual recording of this album. Uh, the the kind of last thing is just that the album cover is once again a hypnosis joint. They've got them, I guess, like involved with EMI now. They've, yeah. they've got them in their contract or whatever that hypnosis gets to do, even the dumb. Uh, well, no, it's actually weird. No, it's not. I, I take that back because this wasn't recorded with EMI because it wasn't part of their EMI deal. This was like a separate. This is basically like a contract gig. And so they recorded this was yeah. recorded and put out with a different label. And so they just hired hypnosis, I guess. 
And, you know, after uh, hypnosis has this. You can tell it's a hypnosis one. Yeah, they have this reputation for really, like, amazing creative album covers. And on this one, they took a still from the movie and then processed it weird so that it's blue and orange instead of regular. Whoa. I know. You never think. It is just kind of funny. Those guys are so small. I don't. I do legitimately miss, like, the analog world where you couldn't just do shit on computers because it makes everything a lot more interesting and, like, harder to figure out. But it also is really funny that it's like you could have done this album cover in about two minutes on a computer. But instead, it's like kind of a big deal that they hired an art studio to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But like you can just go into Photoshop and hit a couple filters and you're done. That's it. Right. So anyway. It's pretty good. But yeah, it's supposed to give the impression of uh, of a drug trip. Of course. Of course. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back for our for a little more. Pink Floyd fellas, where we get to the track by track. And we read more from Wikipedia. Just kidding, Peter bought books. No, I bought a book. I barely used Wikipedia on this episode, bitch. Hell yeah. Yeah, fuck you, John, or the other guy, whoever it might have been. I think that was J111. Or no, that was the other guy. Welcome back to the Pink Floyd Fellas, where we're talking about more Pink Floyd. Uh, not just more Pink Floyd, but it's the actual name of an album and apparently a movie. Oh. Yeah. Is the movie any good? What's it about? Uh, I don't know. I think it's um, an acronym, so it's like movie yeah. movie or um, rerun. I don't know, but then the I is spelled like E-Y-E. Oh, okay, it's like a sense. crazy, like it's kind of like a psychedelic, like weird, you know, where it's like, is this a movie? Oh, or is this a yeah, one? yeah. No, I got I it. I think you're I, supposed to take I'm, drugs. So. Yeah, cool. I got it because okay, I'm cool. Nice. Um, can I say, good name for a Pink Floyd album, bad name for a movie, particularly since we know the plot. Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a good, a good name. No. Okay, so more was released in June 1969. It went to number nine in the UK and failed to chart in the US. Mm-hmm. Makes um, sense, I guess. It eventually hit number 153 in the US, but that was in 1973 when it was re released for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is very strange. So, and then almost every, si- every solo writing credit on this album is Roger Waters, and then every other song is like a full band except for a couple. So. Uh, so basically, what I'm trying to say okay. is Roger basically writes every quote-unquote like r- real song on this album. Anything with like music and lyrics and a uh, song structure, he writes. And then any of the jams or like instrumental improvisation pieces are full band credits. Um, okay. And then Davey sings lead on every single song for the album. So we're going to hear a lot of little Davey Gilmore's voice. I love, gotta love that little Davey. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get to the first song, Cirrus Minor, again, written by Roger Waters. Hot start. Yeah. You know, say what you will about this song. My cats loved it. <laughs> 
It's actually, it's pretty, it's extra funny because I have one of those alarm clocks where it's like the sunlight thing where it fades up from like orange to bright yellow, you know, in your room and like Mm -hmm. it fades in the actual alarm noise and they have a setting that is bird noises, which I have on right now. And so it's like, it's the exact same fucking sound basically. Yeah. They just ripped it from Pink Floyd. But when this starts, I really like this song. It's interesting. It sounds like stuff from later in their career. So it's like, for me, and I think this might be the case for a lot of people, I'm pretty sure that David Gilmore, wait, not David Gilmore. um, Yeah, David Gilmore is like, I don't know, the sound of Pink Floyd to me, maybe. Yes. I don't know. No, we talked you know? about that a little bit on Saucerful, where when his voice comes in, you're like, oh, Pink Floyd's here. It's Pink Floyd, yeah. yeah. It's really, but then what's interesting is that on that one single where Roger sings for a little bit, I also go, oh, yeah, that sounds like Pink Floyd to me, too, because he yeah. sings more yeah. later into their career, where it's like he's right. also a really recognizable vocalist for them yeah. at a certain point. And so, yeah, but yeah, I. I actually quite like this song, and I think it's a good album opener, just especially in the Pink Floyd vein of, like, the slow start and kind of laying down this yeah. board, basically, and then getting into the, the real songs. I th- Yeah, I think it's a decent tune. They didn't need the first minute and a half of Bird Noises. It could have been a lot shorter. I mean, shorter, maybe they yeah. did for the... Yeah, maybe they did for the movie, but um, not, not for the album cut. Um, the organ on it is lovely. It is very similar again to the organ at the end of, I think it's the end of actually Saucerful Secret. I forget which long song on there, but yeah. Yeah, they also didn't need to keep the bird noises in throughout the whole song. Yeah, it's a little weird. All right, let's go ahead and get to the Nile song. What is this? Fuzzy power chords on a Pink Floyd song? This is like maybe the only Fuck time yeah, they is. do this, really? Like, but so far, the best song Pink Floyd has done. <laughs> Ooh, you love the woo. blues? Yeah, this is just the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, dude. Hell yeah. And then this is punk yeah, fucking rock, Davey brother. Really going for it. Uh, Nick's drumming is really, really good, too. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I like this. I mean, this album so far is going to be... Uh, we'll we'll talk more about this as we go through it, but it's going to be kind of a smattering of just like what could Pink Floyd do, like genre-wise. And so I do like oh, getting yeah. the like up-tempo rocker from them, which is really just not something they do in their career hardly at all. Yeah, um, this is the first uh, song named the Blank Song, the Nile song. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do like that. They like that and naming things theme. Yeah. 
or peace or you know yeah Yeah, this rules. Man, that this is the best is really good. song so far. Roger is yeah. Roger Dude, is really the good. The bass on this, on this whole album yeah. is it's really mixed good. really yeah. low annoyingly, so I don't hear it that much, but then when it pops up it's really great. This guitar solo isn't that impressive, but it's like it sounds really good. It it just really fits with the song. Yeah, this is fucking awesome, dude. This part's really nice. Alright, let's go ahead and get to Crying Song. Once again, a Roger composition. That's the best Pink Floyd song so far. Also, I think I wrote my notes. I did leave my notes at work today, but um, for the Nile song, great song, terrible soundtrack song. Yeah, it's weird. Like, where does that fit in? in yeah, a movie? yeah, it's just so loud. Basically, like you'd have to mix it pretty far down. <laughs> Once again, it's got that Pink Floyd sound to it, man. Yeah, so David Gilmour's voice is so good on this song, and also just the melody is really, and I love the melody with the uh, like marimbas happening in the background. Yeah. And how low his voice gets with the like kind of, it sounds like classical guitar, maybe. I really am pretty obsessed with this song, I gotta say. This song got it's, stuck in my head a lot over the last couple of weeks, and it's really gorgeous. It's a really nice song. It's a lovely little... It's the most songy song they've done so far. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Vibraphone is the yeah. is what Rick is playing. It's lovely. The Pines. Lyrics have are not great, but yeah. once again, I'm gonna say this about a lot of these songs. I feel like a good song. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is it doing on a soundtrack? Is it when is it when somebody's crying? I, bet uh, it is. I don't know, but I would say that I don't know. The lyrics don't bother me because we've talked about this many many times over the show. I just generally don't care about yeah. the lyrics. And Pink Floyd are never like super lyrical their lyrics are more of an accent to the music in a way where like i don't need them to be complicated now i think these lyrics work because they're pretty simple and then i actually do have a couple lyrics on this album that really 
part stood out to me that I was going to bring up later on, so. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. I live for that shit, man. Yeah. It's so good. I do love... Also, there's no very more, Pink floyd Yeah, there's no more, like, higher high than listening to an acoustic song that then a really fuzzy guitar solo comes in, like... Yeah. It's just good across all music of all eras. All right, let's go ahead and get to Up the Kyber. This is the only song in Pink Floyd history to be credited to Rick Wright and Nick Mason. Wow. Those two never were credited with writing a song before or after. Uh, really reminds me of Power Talk H, and it's fucking sick jazz song man like nick mason is killing this drum part it's very good the 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 drums i should say oh oh this one i remember the notes i wrote for this one space jazz is all (laughs) i wrote dude and it's good like between this and power talk h i'm really like pink floyd miss there's an alternate history where pink floyd marry jazz and rock before steely dan get to it you know because they like yeah. have now messed around with it twice in a way where it's like, man, if they had just crossed that. Peter, that if you want to talk about Steely Dan, I'll call Paul. I don't know okay. shit about this. I'll save this thought for next week's show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this part's not great, but it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a child with a Casio keyboard. I think this is... In fact, I think I've made this song before. Oh, sorry. I was really far away. This is maybe Mellotron. My book isn't quite positive. They put a question mark next to it. Mm, Oh, here we go. Farfisa organ. That's what they're saying. Okay. My bad. This song's so short. <laughs> we might as well just keep going. I was yeah. about to say let's skip, but it's probably almost over. I guess the main reason it's only credited to these guys, I'm now just realizing, is because they're the only two on the song. <laughs> There's no other instruments. So, that makes sense. Whoa, whoever did that friggin' reverse tapey thing, yeah. they're not credited? All right. Producers need to be credited. Now we get to Green is the Color. This is another Roger Waters tune. And this features yeah. Nick's wife, Lindy Mason, playing the penny whistle. Oh. Mm-hmm. And another really gorgeous song, similar to Crying so, Song. Do you remember when the Nile song was on and I said, this is the best Pink Floyd song yeah. so far? Now this is the yeah. best Pink Floyd song They're so topping far. topping themselves in real time. And honestly, the penny whistle I think would be irritating to me most of the time i like it here i really didn't like it for the for a while and then i got used to it and now i really like it and davy just like he has real range as a vocalist man it's wild going from the super yeah. low mellow thing to now doing like a falsetto and also that lyric the white is the light that shines through the dress that you wore is like that was stuck in my head all week as a lyric so good job roger And I really like Rick playing just like normal piano too here. It's such, it's so refreshing. It's like 
Yeah. After them doing so much psychedelic weird swirls, it just feels like an incredible kind of thing to then just yeah. have them all playing normal acoustic instruments. Dude, it's a great Pink Floyd palate cleanser. Yeah. Because everything up to this point, I've either been irritated by or been like, okay, so this is decent. Yeah. Um, but this is a great song. Like, it, truly, yeah. I'm like, yes, please. And the piano solo is great. And then as this song goes on, there's the piano, the guitar, and the penny whistle are all just like jamming together, like over and on top of each yeah. other. And it's so good. Like everyone's soloing together and it's really great sounding. And is like a testament to how jammy music can really, really work when it works well. Yeah. Ooh, that piano tone clears fucking mm-hmm. a sky. It's so good, dude. And it's not even the most impressive piano playing, but it like yeah, it sounds very good. It really does, and it just fits the track perfectly too. It's a really great now piano solo. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's really, really the best song they've done. Yeah, that's some really good shit. All right, now we get to Cymbeline, another Roger track. Uh, And the third song now between Crying Song, Green is the Color, and Cymbeline that were stuck in my head a lot over the last couple of weeks, which is, I think, definitely the first time that's happened with Pink Floyd where I was getting songs stuck in my head. Oh, another really great melody from Roger. I kind of don't like the vocal production on this song, though. I don't know why it's so reverby. I agree. I'd like it better if it, it was just straight up. It doesn't need to be. Yeah. But then this song has really great lyrics, too. Like, that one, like, a tube tray up your spine is so strange and interesting. It's got some great lyrics in the second verse. The chorus is really good, too. It is. This lyric is great. The first, the first hint we get with Pink Floyd being annoyed by the musical system, which will continue throughout their career for sure, yeah. as lyrical content. And more great piano from Rick just like regular oh, piano yeah. chords again and I don't think there's a single song except for the first one where I'm like this makes sense in a soundtrack <laughs> yeah a little, little bit it's just yeah. like right now it's just like this is just an album it's just an album yeah it's not a soundtrack to anything yeah yeah it's 
Yeah, this song is good. Maybe Pink Floyd just needs to make a soundtrack to for all of their albums. And I mean, I don't want to ruin anything for the future. Also, Davey ruins a little bit by fucking scatting, but... I don't want to ruin anything for the future, but I think their other soundtrack album we're going to cover in two or three episodes is like one of their very best albums they've ever released. So You're talking about Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The soundtrack to The Wizard of Oz, yes. Uh, All right, let's go ahead and get to Party Sequence. This is credited to the full band. It, It is what it is. Yeah, this is the first soundtrack song that I'm like, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure why it's credited to the full band because assumedly Nick's really the only one playing, but yeah. it's weird. There's a little bit of penny whistle in the background. Oh, true. Yeah, Lindy is on there too, I guess. Yeah. It should just be the Masons. But I definitely can imagine a movie made in the 60s where like they're walking into a room and like this music is playing, you know? Yeah, apparently they this music was the background during the a drug party sequence. Oh yeah. Absolutely it was. Oh by the way, here's a great photo from my book. We talked a lot about the gong last week. A great photo from my book of Roger enthusiastically smashing the gong. He's so excited. The look on his face is equal parts kind of terrifying. Like he's a little scary, but also so fucking excited to be hitting that gong. All right, now we get to main theme, the eighth track on the album. <laughs> I guess I assume it opens yeah. the second half is probably. Because the second half is more, quote so. unquote, soundtrack music, whereas the first half is kind yeah. of the real songs. So, um, And here's the gong play from Roger. So why is Roger playing the gong? Why is that not a Nick Mason situation? I don't know, man. I think maybe Nick didn't want to stand up one time, and so Roger's like, fine, I'll fucking do yeah. it, you lazy piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he loved it. You saw his face there, yeah. how excited he was. I did, yeah. So, like, then he refused to give it up. I don't know. I'm sure we can find some interview from, like, the 90s with Roger waxing eloquent about what he loves about the gong. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's really the um, only artist, musical artist I have ever known who loved a gong. Like, everyone else yeah. just saw it as weird accompaniment. But Keith Moon. Oh, okay. Fair. He's a gong guy. Fair. Yeah. Um, I gotta say, party sequence probably the worst song on here. Yeah, uh, no, main not, theme, not close second so oh, far. See, this one's a weird one because I enjoy listening to it every time it comes on, but then I never remember what it is when I'm not listening to it. Like when you start this song, even though I've heard it, you know, a few dozen times, I'm like, I don't know what main theme sounds like. But then once this part kicks in, I like it. So I don't know. I think it's a, it's a terrible main theme to a song. Yeah, well, or to a movie. True. I feel like it's apparently supposed to. But be apparently, it's not a very good movie. Open the movie. Uh-huh. That's the idea, which sort of helps, I guess. And then, uh, when does the keyboard come in soon? And I hate it. Yeah. See, I kind of like the plunky keyboard sound because to me it still sounds because it's still the late 60s it still sounds like acoustic enough as an organ note i agree that if it was definitely like an 80s electronic note i would hate it but there's enough analogness to it for me all 
to me, it sounds like when we used to fuck around with that keyboard that we... I still have it, actually. But it sounds exactly like that shitty keyboard we had that we would, like, yes. be jamming with. And well, then so we and that you could, like, keyboards. program the drum beat at the back of and then just plunk around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. when you say that, I mean, the theme does kind of sound like... <laughs> <laughs> You're not 100% wrong, man. Holy shit. Yeah. I do really like this slide guitar, though. This slide guitar rules. I wish it was less reverby. All right, let's go ahead and get to Abitha Bar. This is credited to the full band. Another rock song. This is the one this with song? lyrics, I think, on the back half. Yeah. This song also fucks. It's so good, dude. I think this one's better than Nile's song. Like, actually by a good amount, because Roger's bass line, I think, is better than Nile's song, and then I just like the lyrics and melody, or the melody, I mean, more here. I like the guitar in this one a little bit better, too. Up front, at least. Yeah, this song's better than the Nile song, I think. And I think Nick's drumming is better. Like, this is really, I think, a better version of the same. You know, they're kind of doing the same song twice, and this one's better for sure. This sounds a lot more ahead of its time than the Nile song. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Hell yeah, dude. That rules. Yeah, and it, it just sucks that this one's on the back half because I would kind of forget about it a lot because this the back half of this album starts dragging a little bit. And so yeah, it's it's an easy one to forget, unfortunately. A little bit. Yeah, but it's good, it is. dude. It's very. Uh, good. Let's go ahead and get to more blues credited to the full band again. This is really like a just a Davy Gilmore credit here, essentially. Even though everyone plays, but this is all about him playing the blues. I don't like that a drum beat started and then stopped. See, I was going to say, oh, go ahead, go ahead. It just drives me crazy because I was like, oh, it's getting into it, and then nothing. See, I kind of love this song because I think the bass line's really excellent, and I like the drums that go in and out and everything. It's so loose and improvisational in like a very bluesy way, but then also in a very Pink Floyd way. I don't know. I, th I think this is really brilliant, and I actually really wish that this was like five minutes long. It's only a couple minutes. Um, but I really wish this was a lot longer jam because I think it's it's pretty awesome. I either wish there was no drums at all or it was this simple drum beat the entire time. Yeah. The drums just bug me. They bug me so much. That's fair. Also, but goddamn can Davey play. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, he's good, man. He's good. See, but then in parts like that, I think the drums really help, like him coming to like this hard stop, and then it's it's setting up this nice little riff from David. Like I don't know. I just wish it was it just got like they can do the fills like yeah, but then it just it's, it's yeah. like what's happening now. 
he's a he's a great guitarist. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think. I, even if you don't like Pink Floyd, I think you have to admit, like, David Gilmour can play a fucking guitar, man. Yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty nice stuff. Uh, all right, so the next one is Quicksilver. This is also a full band credit. Oh, my favorite X-Man. Yeah, this one's seven minutes long. I, really? d- I don't hate Feels it. Feels like 14. This, this is where the, yeah, this is where the album would really end for me. Like, if I made it all the way through main theme, then I would rarely make it through Quicksilver. <laughs> can, can I say, get rid of main theme, get rid of party sequence, and end it at more blues? A really great album. Like, truly. Yeah, yeah. But then there's, you know, this Yeah, so this isn't, and- I mean, this, I don't fully hate this song but i do think it it mostly just sounds like a um like an outtake from saucer full of secrets to me really i which i'm i didn't care for so like i just do not like this song there's like a full minute of this fucking gong roll also yeah well you gotta have the gong pj that's true i saw his face the gong is god Does this song ever start or it's playing right now? I can, Do you I not can hear barely it? hear it. If it's it's the gong roll that I was talking about that happens for a minute. Oh yeah, okay, I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, which again they already did at the beginning of Saucer Full of Secrets, so like why are you using the gong roll again? It's not that good. It's unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how long is this album. It's 44 minutes. Seven minutes of it is this song. Yeah, it's 45 minutes. If they had cut this, it would be 38. That seems fine. Yeah. Let's maybe Can like skip, skip to like forward. five minutes yeah. in and just see what's going on. <laughs> maybe not much, but some slight organ. Let's go ahead and get to a Spanish piece. Thank you. So this one's credited to Davy, little Davy Gilmore. They needed a Spanishy sounding song for a scene oh. on Ibiza, so he whipped this out. I was gonna say. Yeah. It would be fine if it wasn't for the weird. He doesn't need to be talking. No, it's all. it's not only kind of offensive. It's also just inaccurate because he keeps like he's talking about tequila and like Mexican I stuff, think. where it's like you realize Spain and Mexico are not the same place, right, David? Which is weird because English people like they know nothing about Mexico, but Spain is like right yeah, there. Well, they already they should sent, know more. They already sent Sid to Ibiza to recover. So, like, they know what the place is. They know where it's yeah. at. It's really weird to just be like, Spanish piece, great. I'm going to be a proto, an offensively stereotypical Mexican guy on it. Yeah. 
very it doesn't make any sense. This didn't need to be on the album in any way, shape, or form. No, and also it's, it's a minute more long. Mexican music than it is Spanish yeah, music. None of it, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. All right, so now we get to dramatic theme, which is a reinterpretation of main theme. Uh, which I and actually they put it on the album. I like this actually quite a bit. The bass line is good. It, yeah, it's really good, and I kind of feel like it's it's kind of fun to have this alternate take on the main theme because like you can hear that keyboard riff you hate in the background, but it's like mixed way down, and they're kind of almost like jamming on top of the first theme. I don't know. It's it's interesting to me, and it's only two minutes long, so I I have a lot of patience for it because it's short. It's better than main theme. I still don't love it, though. Well, well, that has been more by Pink Floyd. It has also been more from Pink Floyd. Um, Shelby, what did you think of more? Hi, PJ. Hi, Shelby. Yeah, Shelby, what did you think of Saucer Full of Secrets? They basically just said whatever bullshit they wanted in the first one, whatever came to their heads, and then on the second one, they just took all of the words away. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what you, you've listened to this one a little bit? Do you remember anything about it? Oh, yeah. What was I singing around my house that whole time? I don't remember. PJ, you weren't here, but I basically just started... Was it that song? No. Uh, what? This isn't from the first one? No. Oh. No, 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 no. This is the one that I've been listening to a lot over the last couple of weeks and I've listened to in the car a little bit. I don't remember what I said about it. I don't think... I don't know if you said anything. It's like I guess that. best by far. This one with this song? Yeah. Okay. What's your, Shelby, what's your review of more? Give me more. Best so far. Get out of here. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> okay. So this album's so fucking weird, man. It, it's I. It's really great. Yeah. Like it's a great album. I just couldn't stop. Okay. No. 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 Pete, do not start off after those last two albums by saying, "Yeah, this album's weird, man." No, the other two albums are weird. This no, listen, one is. Listen to why I say it's weird, PJ. It's okay. weird because it's so normal, and I just couldn't stop thinking about how, like, really between Piper, Saucer Full of Secrets, and then this album, we're at three of three studio albums for a band that are basically three fully different bands. Like, the first album yeah. is Sid Barrett's band. The second album is them figuring out what they want to do, a.k.a. just jamming a lot in kind of an incomprehensible way. And then the third album is being under the gun to write a bunch of songs so they end up writing a bunch of like really beautiful or like really melodic kind of short three minute tunes that don't have any of the like production of their previous album like all the spacey production and stuff yeah and so it's just like three fully different things where it's like who who are pink floyd who are pink floyd right now like if you're barbit schroeder and you're a fan of this band pink floyd they don't have an identity is this what you wanted like it, you know. Yeah, it's just there's no identity for the band. The identity is yeah. just that they do whatever they want, which I guess to some degree in the '60s, 
is somewhat impressive just because like a lot of bands kind of would get locked into like not being super experimental at least for the time i don't know it's just kind of wild it just doesn't feel like they should have even made it this far as a band already like how is emi keeping them around when you like do not have a consistent like they can't advertise this band they can't be like this is what pink floyd is because they aren't Mm -hmm. anything consistent but all that being said more is a really really good album it's like surprisingly really fucking good for a goddamn soundtrack that they whipped it's that they whipped into shape in six days or whatever yeah yeah it's really mostly just incredible to me how much like like i I, i'm a little curious i didn't quite get this from either reading reading wikipedia or my book uh but like did roger write songs before being in pink floyd like my book kind of seems to say like he just started writing because he felt forced to when sid left but then it's like he's turning around and like these are the first like kind of real songs he's writing uh, along with like Corporal Clegg off the last album. Yeah. Or the the most like kind of normal like straight up songs he's written so far. And if these are the first ones he's writing, they're all really fucking good. Like Corporal Clegg is good. All of these songs are really really good songs and he'll continue to be great at writing songs throughout their career. So it's just kind of wild that he would be he would just kind of naturally be that good given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So. I mean, let's be real. Writing a song is not that hard. <laughs> so I think once you have the audience and the funding. Yeah. And that's your main job, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, well, that's maybe true. It's just pretty wild to like all of a sudden be turning out. Yeah yeah so what are your thoughts on more pj or should i give it my rating first i'll give you my thoughts and then we can go over ratings um yeah really good for a soundtrack album and just the best album they've made so far absolutely like hands down there's real songs on it which i'm like and then like the second song being the nile song which is nothing they've done at all before it's like a not a straight up rock song but it's a rock song and you're like what the how where is this coming from? And it's phenomenal, you know? Yeah. And then with, uh, what was the other, um, was it not Quicksilver? It's Ibiza Bar? Mm-hmm. No. Well, that's the other Ibiza rock Bar, song. Yeah. 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 That one being great. And then Symboline, uh, Green is the Color. Mm-hmm. Four songs that I'm like, I will probably revisit those. Yeah. And Crying Song is good too. Yeah. Um, I It's just a, like... After two albums, I was getting a little bit discouraged, and I was like, maybe I'm not going to link like Pink Floyd until, yeah. you know. For a while. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a while. But this was great. I liked this album. Like, it was a good listen, and I listened to it probably a lot more than I listened to the other two albums that we've done so far. Um, yeah. And, it's like, I, I found myself – it is easier to listen to where it's like I would put it on while I was like doing reports at work and stuff and I'd be like, Oh yeah, fuck this album rules. Yeah. It, it's just, it's very good. Yeah. I agree. What would you like to rate more PJ? I think it's a solid seven out of 10. Nice. Um, like I said, you can get rid of that first song cause it's not very good. You can get rid of, um, party sequence main theme 
Quicksilver, a Spanish piece, and dramatic theme. Yeah. And then it's like a It's like quick a 31 minute album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's great. But it's really good. Yeah. Hey, I mean, yeah. Wild Honey is a 10 longer out of 10 than any of the 28 minutes or whatever. So, right. Yeah. It's longer than any of the Beach Boy yeah. albums. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very close. I'm going to go ahead and give it a six. Um, I think the songs are amazing. The one thing that kind of does hold me back is just that the second half drags a lot and really like the second half just it becomes immediately clear and you remember that, oh, yeah, this is just a soundtrack album. And like, yeah in a way that's makes it kind of tough and annoying to listen to. And so really the only knock, like the individual songs are better than anything, but I just think as like a full album output, I mean, obviously, cause it's a soundtrack, but as a full album, I don't think it's quite as good or, you know, as saucerful or uh, Piper at the gates of dawn. All that being said though, I actually think uh, maybe just because it was recorded so quickly, but it, it has like a consistent tone and everything the whole time, which is kind of, again, impressive for like a soundtrack album. Impressive. And I feel like they've not done that yet. Oh, personally. Yeah, I don't agree. <laughs> I don't think the tone was That's consistent okay. on the last one. Yeah. But. Yeah. All right. Well, so I'm going to, I'm going to give it equal to saucer full of secrets, six out of 10 for me, but I'm glad that your, your ratings coming up. I think this might be, we might be the farthest apart at the end of the show on our like average rating that we've ever been with an artist because maybe although i was rolling stones we were pretty far apart for a while so we'll see we'll see what happens but and then we ended up is this true i might be wrong we ended up having like only like half a rating away from each other by the end i think so yeah yeah so because once you average out that many albums yeah Hey, one thing that I forgot to say earlier, and you can edit it in or just leave it here at the end, either way. Yeah. But just when we were talking about their singles and them trying to write a hit single after Sid left and not not succeeding, that would be the last time EMI forced them to release a single. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't release. Yeah. They didn't release another single until Money, which was not written as a single. That was just EMI being like, "Oh shit!" Or I, they might have a new record company by then. I honestly don't know. Yeah. But that was just their record company saying, "Oh shit, this album's huge, and here's the best single off of it." So. So they were not, yeah, they, they were done, which is impressive. And again, goes to show like who was, did their like dad own the record company? Who was pulling these strings that it's like these guys, <laughs> they can't make a consistent sound. Like they don't have a consistent sound. They lose members. They can't write a single. Let's give them more money and more studio time, fellas. Yeah. Like this is awesome. Let's see what they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's not like they were forgotten about, right? They mm-hmm. were like, you know. They were given a ton of money for each album, and yeah, it's crazy that they're the one band that formed during this time where they're like, they they don't have to write singles. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, even the Beatles up through, yeah, they were always releasing singles. Yeah. I think they really, I think they were through the end. They were, I mean, I don't know if they they were were, specifically writing stuff for singles, but it was still a part of the conversation, at least. Like, Oh, yeah, they would release singles for, I mean, forever. Yeah, yeah. But but just I to think fully they, give up yeah. on it is really. <laughs> it's very funny. It is the the band version of being so bad at loading the dishwasher. Your significant other just says, "Fuck it, stop loading the dishwasher. I'll do yeah. it." Yeah, <laughs> you don't get to do dishes anymore. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks, uh, everybody, for listening. Like I said before, please rate and review us on itunes uh email us at beachboysboys at gmail.com with your thoughts on 
these first three albums uh, from the band Pink Floyd. And PJ, I'll see you on the other side of that rainbow. Mm-hmm. Did I? I think you stole my thing. Um, I'll see you on the Did I? I'm sorry, pink I of that stink. I need to oh, go fuck. back and re-listen to the first episode and figure out, because I said something that I liked, and I forgot to write it down. So I need to just write it down. Well, you have to wait till it comes out, Pete. Beach Boys Boys Production. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I tried to pick a good moment to double check. Shelby sent me an audio message, and I was like, I don't know if this is about the show, because she just walked out and then sent it to me. And so I was trying to listen to it surreptitiously so that you didn't accidentally hear something private, but it's not. It's It's this. <laughs> Go into my house with my best friend Gnome. Gnome's my best friend and the love of my life. <laughs> That's Shelby's uh, impression of the entirety of Piper at the Gates of Dawn. <laughs> She's not that wrong. <laughs> anyway, okay, sorry. <laughs>